Let's drink beer It makes my mind clear It takes me away from here Let's drink beer Let's drink beer Pop the top, lift it up, drink it up All right, so what are we drinking? So, first off, we have Party Boy Pilsner. It is a rice lager that we did in collaboration with the Rice Factory. They're right across the street from us. Amazing rice, show you um, really good local stuff. Uh, I also brought today Go Ketchum. It's a light lager. We have Ghost Ride the Drip, which is an ube hard seltzer. So we're not talking beer when we go there. Uh, we also have an Imperial Saison, which is Shine a Light for a good cause. We have Pete's in Paradise that we did in collaboration with the Pete of Pete's Wicked Ales. We have Pina Hoplata, which is an oated coconut IPA, um, one of our fun hazy IPAs. We also have Double Drop, which is a hazy double IPA. And we have Killamy Smalls, which is a collaboration with Purvey Donuts. Yeah, cheers. Oh, cheers. Let's get the first one. <laughs> party, party. Yeah. <laughs> So, rice lager, you guys used a specific type of rice from the rice factory? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they supply us with all of our rice for our rice lagers. We also use them for Go Catch Them as well. Um, we like to play, we like to see what other local companies are doing and see what we can do to support, but also to collaborate. Did, uh, did the rice, does the rice make a, like a difference or what, what type of rice? or? Well, it's a lot lighter and it'll come out more of a clean flavor. It highlights the yeast a little bit better. Um, instead of the the malt taking over the flavor profile, you get to experience the lightness of the hops that we used. Yeah, no, this one's a, it's like perfectly made for for Hawaii drinking, right? You know. Well, funny story with this one: our production meetings, production meetings. Um, what? Sitting around drinking beer. Talking. Basically, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I like those. Yeah, they're great. Um, so we had Kyle, our assistant brewer, Josh, and I. Um, over at our house and you know, we're having beers. We're trying to go through I'm pressuring them to have a six-month-out calendar and they start drinking beers and we're getting to that point where we're just over the edge and right into creative land and then they started dancing to Europop on the <laughs> furniture and they just started screaming party boy pills party boy. I, I have the videos. I'll show you <laughs> So um, you guys have been cranking out a ton of beers lately um, and I think through the pandemic, it's been, it's increased even more so. Um, is that always been your plan? Is that gonna be consistent? I mean, multiple beers a month, right? Yes, we do one to two a week. Um, we always knew we were gonna have a rotational menu. That way we can see what sticks. Also, it doesn't tie us down to anything as far as distribution. We self-distribute. I don't see us ever signing with a distributor because we wanna maintain quality first. Um, ironically, we were not even going to can. We weren't going to package anything. And then pandemic hit. We're like, well, shoot, we can't put anything on draft anywhere. No one can enjoy draft. So that business model changed weekly during pandemic. And, and so we got our canning line. We knew we always wanted to do 16 ounce cans. Um, with pandemic, we're just constantly rotating, constantly playing, and that's never going to change. I think that's great. I mean, the amount of what, how people are drinking cans, you know, cans always had kind of a negative stigma, like, oh, my dad drank out of cans and stuff like that. But you look at what people are doing, putting great beers in cans, it's, it's really shifting the way that people drink. So I, I'm all in it. 
Well, cans are great because you don't get light infraction. Light can actually infect beer. So if we're talking from a quality standpoint, cans are actually sometimes better. Um, they are easy to pack. Um, they're a lot easier to recycle. Um, so if we're talking the eco-friendly route, um, they're just, they're great. Also, if you drop them in the shower, they don't break, you know, <laughs> after work. So how come, how come um, in Hawaii, there's, you know, the 12 ounce cans are different looking, right? Like they, they have the rigid edges. And then obviously we have these, um, what's, what is that? Like, why are we ha why do we have different looking cans here? So ball corp here, um, has the ridges in the cans. So if you even see local sodas, um, local, like, so Coca-Cola, you know that it's packaged here. Uh, we do want to support local, but with the aluminum shortage, we also didn't want to tie ourselves down. If there was a smaller capacity to be able to fill all of the cans we need to. So we went with a 16 ounce canning line. Um, they don't have 16 ounce ridged ones yet. Um, we didn't want to change that. So we went with regular ones that we get from the mainland. And that way we can keep the production high and not be scared of the aluminum shortage. And then you, so all the cans basically have to be brought in from the mainland, right? Is that how with the 16 ounce cans, it's a little bit more logistical issues with that? No, we get all of our cans through Cisco. Um, they've been great. They've helped us supply our grain so we don't have to plan six months out in advance just for one shipment. Cisco actually started a warehousing project for beer supplies. So they've been a huge help to us. Um, we get some local things through them too. Awesome, so that's great. And the cans, I feel like the cans give you much more flexibility with the labeling and the artwork on it. It looks a lot better than that. So I'm uh, gonna get back, we're gonna take a quick break right now and then we wanna talk about some of these labels. Bringing you what matters. Viewers can receive the Star Advertiser digital full access subscription for just $9.95 per month. Go to StarAdvertiser.com and click on subscribe. Use the code A-H-I-THING. So what are we drinking next? Next is the Ghost Ride, the Drip. Um, a lot of our beers have many layers to them. Obviously, this is a hard seltzer. It's got a really pretty purple color. Um, I'm originally from the Bay Area. So this is an ode to E40, I'll be real. <laughs> Ghost Ride, The Drip, um, Scrape, Scrape. I could go through the whole song and wrap it out for you, but I won't. Uh, this Save that is, for the long version. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Get Josh in here, he's the rapper. Uh, but it's an Ube hard seltzer. We add, for the color, we add butterfly pea powder. Doesn't really add taste to it, but it gives it that color that we were going for. Um, so you can identify it with Ube. It has like a nice, almost vanilla note to it, but the yeast comes out really strong. We use wine yeast for our seltzers. It's really simple, elegant, but purple drink. It's great, it's got a great <laughs> nose to it when you get it in your regard. So how come you guys started making seltzers? I mean, like what, 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 what's the draw in there? And, um, you know, obviously it's a brewery, but seltzers are so huge, right? And what was your guys' push to get into starting making these? It's a few different things. One, some people that can't have gluten, we don't want to feel like they're not included in what we do. Uh, we have wines on tap. They're not very popular. We definitely have a full bar. We have cocktails, but seltzers kind of gives us something extra to play with and be kooky and weird. We're always weird with our beers, but it's something that we get to keep experimenting with and really focus on the yeast strain, really focus on the weird additives that we might put into it, like ube and it focuses more on those ingredients rather than the rest of everything that goes into beer. 
it's also kind of printing money. Seltzers are hot right now. Yeah. Ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. We know that. <laughs> right? We heard that. Plus, you get the you get the experience because some of the flavors you guys have done, you can't find in sort of the mass marketed seltzers, right? I mean, you you had you had one a couple months ago, Green River, that total different flavor profile than you can get anywhere else, right? Right. Right. Well, Green River is hometown hero, like hometown soda. Everybody has a good memory with Green River. Everybody loves Green River. Yeah, and that one was bright green. Uh, you can play more with the color too with hard seltzers because you're working with a blank canvas. Yeah, let's pour another one. And it doesn't, yeah. just doesn't feel like what everybody else has. So, so what am I? What am I pouring out here? Shine a light. This one's my passion project. Uh, we did it to benefit in the backlog, which works to end the backlog uh, for sexual assault victims. Uh, that way we can end the backlog of untested kits. So. And what's, what is this beer? It is an Imperial Saison, so it's really complex. It's got some farmhouse characteristics to it. Um, it's also Imperial, so it's got a higher gravity to it, which is kind of coincides with the issue that we're focusing on. That is delicious. That's a fantastic beer. You know, Saisons are really hard to do. Not that they're a complicated beer to make, but they don't sell very well. Everybody's into lagers now lately. Everybody's into hazy IPAs. Saisons had their moment back in the Belgian phase, maybe in the late 90s. But they don't sell that well, and so they're hard to do. This one sold out because of what was behind it. Right. Yeah, it seems like there's there are, are, there, are there particular styles that you guys have to keep brewing um, day in and day out just because of the popularity. Mm -hmm. They'll sell out, yeah. We always have to have two to three hazy IPAs every single month because they sell out within a week or two. So if somebody wants to buy this beer, where can they buy it? This one we only have on tap and I believe we're on our last keg, but we are gonna be doing more. We are really excited to partner with the local SATC for some future projects coming down the pipeline. Because most of these beers, they come out and then they run out and then they're gone, right? Yep, gone forever. Every once in a while we'll bring something back. So Party Boy was a callback. We've got Pina Hoplata, which is my ultimate favorite. That's a callback. But a lot of these, the majority of these are brand new. Is that by design to, to have beers come out and then be gone and, and then go on to something new? Yes and no. We didn't intend for them to sell out so fast, but it's a good problem to have. So we're planning on getting bigger tanks, getting more beer so we can supply it longer. But yeah, we're always gonna rotate. So what, what's sort of the, the next, next beer that you guys are working on that's gonna be coming out soon? Style-wise. There's a lot. Um, Let me hold that thought for one second, give our audience a chance to go get a beer and we'll talk about that when we get back. The Art of Beer is brought to you by Growler Hawaii. 100 taps of great beer and other beverages. Stop in for some drink, food, and fun. Growler Hawaii, located at 449 Kapahulu. All right, so what's the next style you guys are putting out at the brewery? Next one we've got is Ya yeah, You. It's a West Coast IPA. Uh, that one's really fun because we had a costume contest for an 80s party. And Kaimana, who's actually a bartender over at Beer Lab, he won. He dressed up as Macho Man Randy Savage. And so we took a picture. And we asked him later, we were like, hey, can we use this for a project? And he's like, yeah, go for it. And so we put him on, the, on our cans. And people would buy the cans at our spot and then go over to Beer Lab and get him to sign it. <laughs> he's like, now he's a celebrity and he's got a beer named after him. So 
Um, so, so that's pretty unique, right? I think in, in the local beer scene here in Hawaii where, you know, a lot of the breweries all kind of came up around the same time. And, and tell us about like that kind of tight knit community that goes on here. Cause there's not a ton of breweries and it's, it's definitely a tough industry to be in, right? It's very tight knit. There's a lot that happened before we showed up. So I wanted to make sure that we were respectful of the space, but also could like bring our own fun into the industry on our own. Back in the Bay Area, I was used to it being very collaborative. Like nobody had any secrets or cards close to the chest. It was very different here, uh, respectfully so. But it's been a lot of fun to collaborate. On the topic of fun, this beer right here <laughs> is lots of it. This was great. Pina Hoplata. This one was actually a homebrew experiment. We did it with my roommate, and he wanted to do an oated coconut pale ale. So this one's an IPA. We dosed it up a notch, but it's got rolled oats. It's very creamy. That's where it gets its haze from. Um, the pineapple is purely from the hops. We don't add fruit to this, except for toasted coconut. We add a lot of toasted coconut to this. With the, the hops with the, the coconut, and the, it all plays very well together. I mean, it's you get a little hoppy, but you're like, no, there's a little sweetness in there. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's not it's not bitter at all, but you taste, and it's got that aroma of like a fruity tropical drink, but it's not. It, but it's still beer. It's still beer, yeah, yeah. Well, I feel like what's cool in beer right now is dosing a ton of fruit puree and then it looks like a pulp, like a 7-Eleven Slurpee. This one's not that. Yeah. It's not gonna be straight pineapple puree, straight coconut puree. It You really get those flavor profiles from the beer ingredients. Yeah. Well, we always joke, like there's, there's beer flavored beer and then there's beer that sort of sometimes not flavored like beer, you know, and it kind of fits two different, you know, taste profiles. I think we'll probably get to one that's got a lot more flavor characteristics later on in the segment, right? This is like a poolside IPA. You know, when you're hanging out outside, you don't think about drinking an IPA. But this one, I'm like, I could have this in a plastic cup next to some water and I'd be perfectly okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what, what, you know, what's the difference between, you know, you mentioned a West Coast IPA coming out soon, but these are, these are hazy, hazy IPAs. Like what? What sort of the critical differences between those? What's a West Coast? What, like why? Why is a West Coast West Coast? Why is a hazy hazy? West Coast is because that's who coined that specific style of IPA. IPA has a massive range. And these are hazy. We don't call it a farmhouse or a New England because it's not made in New England. Yeah. Um, but specifically for hazies, it can be hazy for a few different reasons. It can be hazy because of the rolled oats. It can be hazy because of yeast still in suspension. That's the ultimate thing, is that there is still yeast, still proteins in suspension. And so if you have an older hazy IPA, you'll see it fall to the bottom and you'll get... Yeah, because it's not clear. I mean, it's definitely, right. you know, it's got some some body in there, but they're they're not, bit, like, you know, that that old stigma of, of IPAs, you know, ripping your tongue off with bitterness. I feel like the reason why hazy's gotten so popular is just because they don't have that and they, there's so much tropical fruit flavor in these things right. that people don't, it's a whole different realm of it for your palate. Well, and the interesting thing is there's still all of that bitterness there, but there's much more sweetness from the malt that's not as cloying. You know, it's smoothed out with the rest of the proteins and suspension. Uh, we have Double Drop, which is a double hazy IPA. <laughs> this one was named Double Drop because Josh literally double dropped 
food going up to my office <laughs> and he just started <laughs> rapping about it and so he named it after himself I guess <laughs> but his own mistake so that's yes tell us about like Hanako so Hanako is is you and you keep mentioning Josh but Josh is your husband ah so uh, it's yeah, a family yeah. business <laughs> yeah we're close so how did that all how did you guys come up with starting a brewery in Hawaii it was actually kind of started off as a joke we we're living in the Bay Area, power coupling it up. He was a head brewer at a local brewery. I was a sales rep for a bigger brewery. And his dad had acquired a warehouse he was gonna turn into a parking garage. And Josh was like, well, that's kind of boring. Why don't you build a brewery? And then he called us back and was like, what if we did? We're like, well, what if we did? Let's, let's go there. But double drop. Doesn't right. taste like the ABV though. No, it doesn't. Well, we're gonna um, think about that and come back after a break. The Art of Beer is brought to you by Value Furniture. Has over 10,000 items from acclaimed designers to make furnishing your home easy. Create something beautiful with value. Beachside Roofing, the leaders. All right, so what are we drinking next? And I'm very interested about this label. I love this one. This is Pete's in Paradise. This one, uh, the Pete of Pete's Wicked Ales. He came by the brewery. Because uh, you noticed we did another beer in honor of a Bay Area hometown homebrewing hero. And so he wanted to check us out and he ended up being in town for a month and we we're like, well, let's collab. And we called up everybody and we were like, you know Pete, like Wicked Ale? And they're like, hell yeah. I'm like, awesome. So he's here. We're going to collab. We're going to do this. Take advantage. If he's in town, put him to work, right? Right. <laughs> well, all the artwork. You, you asked about the artwork. We actually work with a local tattoo artist. He's amazing, his name's Xavier. He puts on the paper all of our dreams that we're throwing at him, everything from like, we want an old school Cadillac to we want something surfer style. I'm sorry, we've always um, just absolutely admired the, the variety of what you put onto your cans. There's a few breweries out there that do that. A lot of people stick to one logo, so very interested on how you guys came up with it, you know, whether it's party boy dancing on your couch or <laughs> collaboration with them. So, um, but that's the, the process of why we're picking these, when it comes up and your big love for E40, why you got that. <laughs> it's just something that not a lot of people are doing and I think it's wild, so. Yeah, and I think it's unique too, if you if you read on the back of it, there's always these blurbs and a lot of breweries at, at, at times will put a lot of statistics on the back, but yours don't have a lot of, st they're fun, sort of like poems almost on the back. <laughs> right, well, we kind of view it as, you know, art is meant to disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed, right? <laughs> so we view beer as our out, our art. And so with producing all of these, we like to take people along the storyline. Like we're, we're telling a story through your palette and we want you to come along with us. With that said, yeah, Josh kind of goes nuts, and like I can read this one. Ooh wee is on the back of the can. There's a lot of words where I'm like, we did not double check that. Where where was the edit in that copy? But it's a lot of fun. It totally is fun. I mean, what you guys are doing, you're having fun. You're supporting causes that you care about. You're working with, collaborating with, you know, inviting the brewers over to brew beer and, and working with local producers. It's it's great to see what you guys are doing. And so what are we pouring here? Speaking of working with other local businesses, we did Killing Me Smalls with Purvey. Purvey Donuts. They make the coolest, craziest donuts. Um, they. This is our second collaboration with them. We did Unicorn Butt Sneeze. 
Absolutely favorite. I mean, it's it's a great visual <laughs> right <laughs> off the bat. But this one, Kill Me Smalls, this is done with Teddy Grahams in the mash. So before we were talking about you know the simplicity of the ingredients, this one we go off the wall. We threw a ton of toasted marshmallows, Teddy Grahams. This is our weird beer. So we threw in their naked donuts right into the mash. So it's literally a liquid donut. Yeah, it's dessert beer. Mm -hmm. But it's 12%, so you gotta be careful. <laughs> dessert beer with, with everything in it, but it's, it's delicious. Have you dumped a donut in it? I haven't yet. I need to. It's called for bed. No, this is called for right this now. This I'm gonna let's do that. Mug, you know, and you don't want anybody to see. You put this in the coffee mug, and then you dip the donuts in the into the. Oh yeah, breakfast. The beer. coffee, right? Yeah, it's your Saturday breakfast beer. Fool my wife into thinking I'm drinking coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> don't fool her. Don't fool her. Invite her along for the ride. Yeah. Wow. That is. Could you ever imagine? You know, 10, 15 years ago in Hawaii, having beers like this that are made made here. You know, what a change the whole state has gone through. Right? 10, 15 years ago, you couldn't sell a beer like this in Hawaii. No. You could put it on any shelf, on any tap, and no one would buy it. And it's and, and as in great quality and as amazing as, as these beers are, like half of these 10, 15 years ago just would not resonate. And now it's, you know, you, you have a thriving industry and a growing customer base, it's, it's kind of cool. Well, I feel like if you build it, they'll come. Like clearly there was a demand for it. And I would argue to say that 10, 15 years ago, that demand was there, but it has to start with people like Troy that opened up um, Real and Brewed. It started with you doing Village. People want to know more about beer. People want to be excited about beer. Yeah. It just wasn't happening yet. Yeah. What I love is, you know, it's, it's, we have something like this, but if from the same brewery, we can have something like that. You know, it's a complete polar ends of the spectrum. Your, your, your range of expressions are awesome. Yeah. I mean, you're going from the lightest of the light to uh, my breakfast beer. Um, you know, yeah. just, you know, you've got everything in between. And I think that's what helps when people start looking at beer in an area that's, you know, not traditionally doesn't drink different styles. You blaze that path and you open it up, people will start drinking it. It's, hey, so we're, Cheers. Thank you to Chrissy for coming down. Everybody stick around for the long version on YouTube. We're going to keep this keep rolling going. a little bit. Hey guys, welcome back to the long version on YouTube or wherever you find your podcasts. We're we'll getting back to the conversation now. With some more dessert beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're at the end of the road of tasting, so this is where it gets more fun. Yeah, it gets a little dangerous now, and you have to go do more tastings. Yeah, all right. And you want a refill? Twelve percent. I'm good. A second. So tell me, like, you're a woman in a in, in a in a pretty much male-dominated industry. Like, that's that's rare. How rare is it? I mean, you know, there there are a lot of other women in the industry, but it's not a ton, right? Yes and no. I think they're just not recognized yet. I think they're not given the opportunities yet. It's it's getting there, and we've seen a lot of movement, especially as of late, if we're talking about current events. We're here, yeah. and women invented beer. Like We were the start of beer. So for it being a male-dominated dominated industry, it's not the first, it's not gonna be the last, but we have a space here too. Is there, is there still sort of a stigma that that women aren't aren't beer people? I feel, I feel like all the time, right? Like there's like, 100%. oh, it's, it's for my dad. It's, 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 a, it's a male thing, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. then when you see a woman come in with opinions and, and insight into the into 
what goes into it, it's sort of like... Well, if you walk around a brewery and you see a guy wearing plaid with a beard, you're like, oh, he's a brewer. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> That's the only reason I have a beard. <laughs> there you go. So you must brew, right? Like, tell me what hops are in this beer. Versus there are times where I'll stand at the host stand just to make sure you know everything's running smoothly. And we'll have people walking through that they're like, oh, no, no, and they nod me off. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, if you have your business to do, cool, walk around. And then they come back and they'll be like, oh, you're one of the owners. Hi. And I'm like, okay, now I know how you treat my staff that I care very much about. Interesting. You know, there is a point where people are very dismissive until they're like, oh, okay, this is what you do. And then they almost make you want to prove it. I can relate it to like gamers, where it's like, oh, you're a real fan of Star Wars, prove it to me. And <laughs> come on, we're, we're talking about a, a I show. Prove, I don't want to like, prove anything to you. Like, we're talking I don't about a dream. There's no need. Yeah, I, I, I see that a lot where it's like the stigmatism where it's like, you know, oh, women drink wine in cocktails. They don't drink beer. Like, or if they do, it's like they're only drinking, you know, light, you know, the lighter stuff. And, and, and I, it's totally like, there's a, such a big misconception on there. Well, and vice versa. How many times have you guys tried ordering or wanted to order a fruity drink? Say you want a lava flow, <laughs> yeah. and you feel like you're going to be judged for it. I, I, I should be judged for that. <laughs> Why, though? Like, there's no need. No, we, we order drinks all the time, and the, I'll go order a glass of rosé, and they'll put it down in front of my wife. I'm like, yeah, no, no, yeah, this no, is mine. <laughs> <laughs> the same thing, you know? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. There's lots of it. And also working in bars and restaurants, we, we see it as well, not just the guests talking to the staff, but like you will have guys be like, Oh, what kind of wine do you have for my wife? I'm like, well, let her look at the cocktail list. Maybe she wants a drink, you know? So it's, it's, it's an issue we deal with a lot, but especially in the, in the beer industry, we know it's just, there's not enough exposure. And I, I love your comment about women invented beer because I, I love that. You know, I look back in the histories and the, the guys are out working the fields and the women were throwing it in water and letting it ferment. So, I mean, it's, it wasn't a bunch of guys standing around in a hut throwing... <laughs> throwing everything in water and letting it from it is the yeah. women preparing it. So I love that comment. That's great. That's com completely true. <laughs> yeah, if I could leave anybody with one thing, women invented beer. <laughs> Remember uh, that. Yeah. And I guess we're done here. <laughs> and I thank them every day for it. <laughs> because I love beer. It would be a it would be a much worse off world without it, right? <laughs> We'd be sitting around drinking whiskey, getting all super oh, hammered and angry all day. They probably invented that too, you know? <laughs> all of it. Yeah, potentially. I mean, the same thing, right? I mean, it's uh, you're, you're mashing in, you know, grain and all that other stuff, right? So, I mean, it's like, it's amazing. Um, so, where's Hanako going? What are you guys, what's the plans for Hanako in, in the local beer scene? Where do you guys see yourself going and growing? Still collaborating with uh, local causes like doing stuff like shine a light like that's my passion project um, it should always be about more than the beer in the glass uh, people can buy great beer here um, there's a lot of breweries that came before us that we're honored to be in the presence of in this space and people can take their dollar anywhere and not that we deserve it more but we want that that dollar to go further and so we are working with different community initiatives where we can make it something bigger. Yeah, have the beer represent more than, than just what's in the glass, right? Right. Like, it, you know, whatever we do, like, if we're not passionate about it, what's the point? Yeah, I think that's, that's one of the, the really cool things about, like, the, the beer community or craft beer community, where there's, there's so much more to it 
than just making the beer, right? And we see it all the time. It's not just selling beer and making beer. You know, they, yeah. it's, it's more meaningful. Like you like you said, a dollar have it more reach. So you know, some goes here and some goes here, and it's to spread the love between local communities, between organizations, things like that. So, and I think the guys that are doing it better right now in all aspects of of bars and drinks and alcohol and beer or whatever is just the people that are making it more inclusive. You know, these are fun labels. You know, you pick, <laughs> if you drink Bud Light or Heineken and you pick up this label, you're, you're, you're going to stop for a second and, and yeah. have that story. Your guys' tap room is such a great space. It's so well designed and it's open. You know, it's lots of open air. You know, the last year has been challenging for everybody, but you go there and you feel safe and you feel welcome. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite, I have lots of favorite styles of, of bars, but one of my favorite <laughs> styles of bars is female-owned dive bars. You know, it's like, yeah. it's this funny place where, well, one, they smell better than dive bars. Um, <laughs> but two, Number one, true. But two, there's this, like, there's this element of, you know, the bartenders behind there, they can take care of you. There's a maternal sense to taking care of you and having you be there. But they can also snap and, like, they can be your evil aunt and put you in place if they, <laughs> if they need to. They're the boss when they need to, boom, done. Yeah, right, yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's just, like, it's that place. And, and I'm not saying you guys are female-owned dive bar, but there's a sense, well, there's a maternal... I cut somebody <laughs> off if I need to, though. Absolutely. Yeah, but it's no. also, you know, it's, it's a place you want to be. It's, it's a place that everybody wants to be. And uh, I, just, I think that's one of the great things about your, the space, for sure. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I will never forget the first time I landed in Hawaii, I was visiting to meet Josh's parents. And the first place we stopped at was Beer Works. And just every single brewery that's here has their own vibe. They have their own thing that they've got going for them that I respect so much. And so when we were building this place, we were like, well, how do we set ourselves apart? And I told Josh, I was like, well, we need to tell our story. Like they all have their stories and it's so much fun to be a part of, but what's ours? And he was really nervous because I was gonna write an opening blog like, you know, we christened our brewery with our wedding. You know, like 100%. And we had the reception there. Yeah, we put the bar top in like 12 hours before with signs that said, do not touch, do not like look at. And then my father-in-law and sister-in-law are dancing on it 12 hours later, like on the bar top. And so we were talking about being vulnerable and being, you know, honest. And he was like, I don't know, like, I don't think people are interested in that. I was like, well, yeah, what do we have to lose? I mean, it, it is the truth. Yeah. And so I posted it, and when we started interviewing, 90% of the people we interviewed were like, oh yeah, no, I read your blog, and I just love that this is family owned. And people fall in love with the story, and people fall in love with the realness of what you're putting out there. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, because people realize there's passion, and there's, there's something behind you know, what's in their glass, which whether you're at like some of the coolest bars in the world or you're at a, you're at a craft brewery, you know, you, you can feel that when you walk into places. And I think that makes a huge difference. I think it's, it's it, and to add to that, it's just very welcoming in there. You know, and breweries are a more welcoming space. I mean, especially for you guys, you got the taps, you got the tables, and then all the fermentation tanks are all right there. So like, you know that this is a workspace. They're making our beer right there. Like, and this, it's like this is everything under one roof, you know, and it is very welcoming when you go in and you see that. It's in, I really enjoy that when I look in there and I see it. And not just like staged breweries where they make one little window so you can see the tanks on the other side. You know, you guys have oh, it's there. everything's there. Front and center. It's, it's just, it's just, there's a lot more love that goes into when you walk in. You're like, this is a, a workspace and everyone's here and this is great. Yeah. So I, I get that feeling when I walk in on a call. So it's also like you, it's, 
doesn't smell like a brewery. I mean, it, it's so clean. You guys are so good at that. That's, that sounds wrong, but it's like. No, no, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, don't, you, don't mention names. No, it's, but that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a testament. It doesn't smell like a dive bar. Yes, that's the thing. Okay. That's a better answer. Okay. Um, no dive bar smells. Which means you're making clean beer, which obviously um, you guys are, you're just crushing it with the beer game. So. Thanks. You guys ever gonna make non-clean beer, like sour beers, wild beers? You know, I mean. I mean, some get a little funky. Get a little funky. Yeah. Okay. So with, if we're talking about beer and people that don't know, um, sours are really hard. Um, Doing real wildly fermented sours. All the sours that we've been putting out are clean sours or kettle sours. Um, When you put wild fermented beers next to beers that you do not want the outside world touching because they could get infected. Sours are infected on purpose, and they're infected for that wild yeast strain, for the microflora in the air. Um, So it's really hard to do in the same space. We would love to do wild fermented beers. And there's actually a new brewery that's opening up um, called Mahalo Ale Works on Maui that I'm so excited to see what they're doing. And they're going to be all wildly fermented, from what I've heard. I don't know. I don't work there. But, um, we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> We're go. But that's the amazing thing. I mean, think about like where the the culture here in the islands have come, where you can have a brewery that's going to open up, that's going to focus on primarily sour, wild fermentation. I mean, the diversity of what's happening in the state. I mean, I I couldn't have fathomed it ten years ago, but it's here and it's going and. The diversity is there, and it, it's it's pretty un- unreal to see. I, I just I, from from my view, being across the bar when people come in, they're like, you know, ten years ago, no one ever walked up and asked what kind of sours we have. <laughs> so the questions you get, the requests you get now, it's it's a whole new ballgame when it comes to beer. Before I was like, uh, Heineken, you know, or something. They would just call out what you had, but now people are taking the time to look at your list to ask you what you have, you know, and they're they're different expressions and styles that they want to try, you know? So it's, it's fantastic. Well, and Hawaii is an anomaly. Like when I came yeah. out here for the first time, Josh told me, he's like, well, as far as trends go, especially with beer, Hawaii is like 10 years behind. And you think of it geographically where it's far away. It's not going to be, you know, oh, there's this weird brewery that we can road trip to. Right. You have to fly. And who is going to fly for one brewery? So there's that trend where there's a little bit of disconnect. I mean, yeah. (laughs) We all have. But for one brewery. I guess we fly for like 10 breweries. Exactly. (laughs) And now Hawaii has 10 breweries, like on a single island where people can come out here. Um, The other side of that anomaly is we have a lot of tourists where they've got places like Portland, like San Diego, like Seattle that have tons of diversity and tons of like sour specific breweries, Belgian specific breweries. And we don't have that here. So I feel like tourists were pushing the envelope and asking and kind of allowed for beer to flourish here. And locals were all about it. They were stoked once it started happening. And it's those two position points that started nudging us in the direction where we get to sell out. Like that is a huge compliment and it's a huge excitement that we can produce a beer and within two weeks it's gone forever. So yeah, that's pretty amazing. And it's not a small batch. I mean like they're they're not gigantic batches, but I mean what what is a normal batch as far as say like the total amount of cases or you know kind of give perspective of how much that is. 
So a 15 barrel batch, we have a 15 barrel brew house, we have 15 barrel fermenters, and then we've got a couple 30s. So we would double batch for a 30. Right. Um, and, a, and a barrel is two kegs. Exactly. And what is what is a keg like volume wise? Like you know how many? What's what's in a keg like? Like roughly a hundred pints. So it's a lot of beer. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> so you're talking three thousand pints gone within a week, and that's just one of our lineup. Usually consists between nine to fifteen. So of all of those beers on tap, the fact that they're going through that many pints on a single keg within a week and a half, it's insane. It's an honor. But it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, good company, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that means you basically, I mean, are you guys um, brewing how many days a week? Like what, what's the schedule like to keep up with that? Uh, every day, we don't work around the clock. Like there are breweries like Lagunitas that have a full 24 hour schedule. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> insane. But they're brewing like a million, Barrels or something. A million, right? bajillion. Like, yeah, that, that, like a ton. They've got that Heineken money, so they're. Yeah, they're, 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 they're even that though, like, you know, Sam Adams kept pushing the envelope yeah. as far as how many barrels you could produce. That's considered craft. Right. So Lagunitas, as big as we think they are, are still producing less than Sam Adams. And that's an around the clock brewery. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of beer to be had and enjoy <laughs> out there. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, but so if you guys are producing five, six days a week of just constantly filling tanks then? Is that kind of where it's at? Right, well with how many tanks we have, it's not just the first beer. You know, there's there's the upkeep of, you know, okay, now we have to dry hop, now we have to cold crash, now we, there's a lot of processes that go throughout producing a beer. So for loggers, if we're talking to people that might not know everything about beer, there's ales and there's loggers. Ales are fermented at warmer temperatures, loggers are at cooler. With cooler temperatures, I think of it like tea. If you've got tea sitting out in warm temperature or room temperature water, it's going to take longer for it to actually extract and yes. get all the great flavors. But if it's hotter, it's going to be a lot quicker and that. potentially more astringent and get you know a more robust flavor. So with our lagers, those take six weeks minimum. Our ales take two weeks. So it also depends on what's in the tank. Yeah. I just I, I I'm still so happy that like we've come full circle in the beer culture here where we can have small breweries producing super high-end quality light lighter lager styles you know it's not all about like the over flavor things because i think people go on this progression right where they when they first start off in their their progression with with more flavored beer they you know they go as much flavor as possible something like this because it's so different but then to go back to something where it's like, there's not a lot there, but it's so satisfying and so delicious. That's what I think with Hawaii. So simple. And it's also harder to hide behind flaws. Oh, like you God, have to yeah. make this beer really Perfect. well. Yeah. So in Hawaii, when, um, when people started expanding the type of beer they drank, you know, 10, 12 years ago, and people really got stoked on IPAs, it was because of that from craft breweries and all this flavor and stuff. And it was exactly as you said, they weren't interested in a craft uh, a pilsner or things no. like that because they're like ah drink, but, uh, drink something else if I want that so I, and it's it's great that that's that started it off for everybody everyone wanted the, the lot and then now we can move back and do all the different styles and since they already have that faith in Hawaii beer scene to make this flavor they're like oh I'll try their lighter beer and it's and then if they try party boy it's they'll be won't no, be disappointed they, they will not be disappointed <laughs> in those yeah it so. goes back to the inclusivity 
You know, oh. and you guys keep expanding more beers and more styles of beers and what something for everyone. That's I mean, this lineup right here has got, you know, can have a room of twenty and somebody will always find what they want. So All right. well, inclusion thanks. makes us strong. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us and that's it for this one. Cheers. 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 Cheers.